Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of When I Grew Up. On today's episode, um, I'm really excited to be hanging out with uh, a musical artist and he's going to kind of take us through what it's like to be him. And without further ado, Uzu Han, aka James Han, thanks for being with us today. Hello. <laughs> I appreciate your time today. <laughs> Um, I'm excited that you're here. If you don't know anything about Uzuhan, um, should I call, can I call you James? Yeah, just call me James. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, I kind of want to hear about the genesis of your name too and how you came Absolutely. up with it. But, yeah. um, you know, he is, oh, you won 2017 Collaboration Star, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, what was that like? Oh man, that was uh oh my gosh, it, it seems so long ago. Um it was great. Like honestly when I went to LA, um I was nervous cuz knowing the past winners of collaboration, mm. I knew that it was like a singer-songwriter town, so I felt like all the rappers who've gone before me were not able to win. So for me to go in and get the unwavering support and um win the favor of all the judges like was really cool it was really special and I mean it was that was really fun and helpful for me because all the prize money I used to buy my engagement ring and like for my wedding shut Um, up really yeah that's amazing how long have you been married I've been married for three years a little (gasps) over three years now how's it been is it good it's fun Yeah. yeah I mean it's it's all about like setting expectations meeting them not meeting them you know always trying to you already sure sound that... like ahead of the game before you have your family. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, so if you don't know, Collaboration Star is basically a showcase of talented people that come together and um, is in different states. Correct me if I'm wrong. I yeah, think... so it starts in different regions, like the yes. major cities, and then they gather at the star, which is like the grand finale. Oh. Like all the winners of all the regions come and compete at the final so I had to win the Atlanta division first then I went to LA to represent Atlanta so like it really was a big deal like it was yeah yeah. that's really awesome that's amazing um well you know I the reason I even brought you here today is because um yeah I want to hear about everything you know (laughs) (laughs) like I don't even know where to start but um I think There are a lot of people listening to this podcast, a lot of young people that are very curious about, you know, the the age of the YouTubers, the vloggers and the, you know, the artists and, you know, the self-made artists. And I feel like they don't really know. Like, it looks glamorous on the outside. It looks glamorous from social media. And I know um, for those doing it, it's because they love it, right? I know this, Absolutely. but I think a lot of people watching or just from the outside view don't know what the day in the life of a music artist really looks like, especially someone that is um, working hard, you know, to mm-hmm. to make their passion come alive. So, um, James, could you just like take me to the very beginning? Like even, sure. even like high school, like, did you know you were like, this is what I want to do? <laughs> oh man actually you know it's so funny a lot of my old friends and people who saw me in high school would be so surprised that I to this day 10 years in I'm doing music still because I never shared it with anybody like really? I was I was not the kid that would join ciphers I would not be at the lunch table when people are like um, making like the cool um, 
beats. I don't know if you're familiar with the clips, but they used to have a famous like a tell me just pen tell tapping. Me. Uh, oh yes, beat. yes, okay. <laughs> remember like <laughs> anyway, like people would always jump in, and all these like cool people in my school back in Maryland um, would always jump in, have like cool raps, and I used to think, man, they're not that good. But <laughs> I never, I would never show them up. I would just be like, well, this is my own personal. Um, thing just because I loved it I loved being able to like express my thoughts you know I was like an angsty teen unsure of himself you know penning little poems and and then which eventually became like raps just rapping to myself in my you know little notebook and I I never really even recorded myself that much I I did a history project and a few songs with my like close close friends uh-huh. and I think that's when I realized I did have a bit of a natural gifting to understand mm-hmm. rhythm maybe and music because I would be writing my stuff and then my friends would be writing their raps and I'd just be like why why are they so bad you know like I want them to be better oh, and I just didn't realize I thought we would be the same but I, I, like they didn't understand rhythm and like we're off beat and sometimes I'm just like why are you so bad am I that much different yeah that's really fascinating so like well you so you grew up in maryland mm-hmm. right so that's yeah. where you're from i'm assuming yes. Born and okay raised. um and do you did you have any other like musical background um i grew up playing classical piano oh um, yeah so i was trained so i have some music theory and my dad he is particularly into music so he would play i grew up listening to Korean trot music, um, disco, and um, Korean ballads, you know, like, yeah, and maybe some like jazz. Okay, okay. So, um, you said they were your friends were like not particularly good at like writing lyrics. So, at what (laughs) point were you like, oh, I am better? Like, um, I don't think I man I don't think I really realized that until college Mm. that I had some sort of particular gift yes um because I kept the writing to myself I entered college um and you know I did the usual thing sometimes I would just find beats online or if there was like a beat of a popular song I would just write it and just kind of have it to myself um but it was when I met Sam Ock um that's when things started changing. So um, the story of how me and him met, it's pretty crucial to how my music career started because um, I put a video of me and my friends rapping. Um, I was rapping to this like uh, Lil Wayne, a Millie beat. And like my friends were dancing in the background. I just did like a rap as I usually would, but I decided to share it to our Facebook world. Okay. So it, it became pretty popular. People were like, oh, wow, you can rap. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I do. And then Sam messaged me. He's like, hey, like, I um, I make music. I live nearby. He lived like 45 minutes away from me because we're both oh, from Maryland. And he okay. was like, let's make music together. I was like, oh, I've seen your stuff. You're good. All right. Yeah. That's cool. I've never really recorded. I went to a professional studio because he was a student at a, the recording um, oh, school there. Oh, okay, okay. So we go into this decked out studio and I'm just like, what's anything? This is a mic? Cool. Oh, I get to wear headphones. Wow. You know, I was enamored. So we just started making songs. We made two songs. One was called Running. Second one was Never Change, which a lot of people, I mean, you may have heard. Yes, I know Never Change. Yeah. So (laughs) it's it's crazy. Like I. That's insane. That like just 
randomly he messaged you. I mean, he obviously mm-hmm. saw something that yeah. he knew was special. I mean, Definitely. what's even crazier to me, honestly, is that you had no intention in the beginning of pursuing music. No what, way. So what was your degree in college? Um, so I was a... Uh, what was it? Communication with digital design. That was my like digital design. Like what's that? Like graphic graphic design. design yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you, but you were on the creative side kind of always. Well, I switched. So I started initially. I entered um, as a biology major um, because my parents said I should be a dentist. So I was like, all right, cool. Day one, we go to orientation. They're like, these are your classes. I was like, okay, I'm I'm switching to undecided. <laughs> <laughs> I've decided to be undecided. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so funny. I mean, okay, so you recorded Sam Ock, mm-hmm. and th- I'm assuming things just kind of take off from there. Yeah, like Never Change on old YouTube hit 1.5 million views. It like Crazy. blew up. I mean, you in Georgia, were you in Georgia at the time? Yes. Yeah, even- Or no, reached... actually, no, 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 no. I was in California. I went to school at UC Irvine. Even crazier, it yeah. reached California. Like it reached, that song literally reached people in Australia, in like the UK. It's so crazy. So okay, crazy. so like how how did you feel during this time? Like, were you excited? Were you like, oh my gosh, something is happening? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like when that happened, a lot of opportunities came to me and Sam. And um, soon after that, um, we formed a a Christian rap group AMP. So basically, we were just like very zealous, passionate, young Christians. So at the time, I, um, I was just like, it must be your will, God. I'm meant to do this. You know, I kind of had that. I, you know, I felt that. And I'm I'm gonna mention that for mm-hmm. a reason because I, it's a that kind of thing is like um I'm glad I had that zeal, but it's a bit like vision of grandeur type of like, you know, kind of energy almost to the point where it's like, God, if I don't do this, your work can't be done on this earth. That's how extreme mm-hmm. it kind of got for me at some points. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's, that's a little, that's some disillusionment that I had when I placed my identity as musician first. Okay. So, I mean, so like what kind of thing, what kind of opportunities were coming your way for you and Sam then? So, um, so me, Sam, and then Chung CL, the third member of AMP, we basically banded together because we were getting opportunities to go to like colleges, um, some like retreats here and there and churches to perform. And instead of doing it separately, we decided doing it together, I think is even more special Mm because right after Never Change, we made a song called See You in Heaven. That was like our first song with AMP. And our then manager was like, what you guys have is really special. Mm -hmm. I can like really vision, like see something here. And it was true. Like till this day, the music we've made with AMP is, I feel like untouchable because there's, there hasn't been anyone who's done anything remotely close to yeah. what we did yeah um, absolutely and i and i want to even mention i think like even asian american representation during that time too with with amp um mm-hmm. was really special as well you know yeah. i mean even today i would even say yeah that. oh it is i i firmly believe we came like we debuted like five years too early mm-hmm. 10 years too early because i think amp could really do well now could have done well um or at least the idea is just being very forthright about your faith. But not only that, making sure that art value was high. That's the big difference that, you know, 
youth today are starting to see a little more of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when you see, you know, there are a lot of artists who are very forthright about their faith, but are very, very um, hold dear the art value of things, you know? I see. Can you talk more? I don't think I understand what you're saying. So this is the difference between, uh, I mean, I can't hate on Toby Mac that much. He's like, <laughs> he's like an OG. I, I, it's only because he's an extreme example. I think he's, he's a legend. Like I, I'm not, I'm not going to hate on him, but like there's a certain kind of flavor that he brings Sure. that I'm, and I'm just going to do it in the, in the mode of like understanding hip hop. Okay. You have, you have like a, um, someone like Toby Mac and a Lecrae. Right. Yeah. I'm keeping it broad. Cause right. even I think Lecrae is starting to lose, uh, some sauce. I see what you're personally. saying. But there is a, yeah, yeah. And, or we can even, we'll do it to, you know, maybe apples to apples. We'll do like maybe uh, um, NF to a Toby Mac. Okay. They're both white. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> maybe that'll help the comparisons. Right. Even NF seems a little more authentic, even though he feels like a copycat Eminem. NF still, in my eyes, is still a very, uh, not a good example, but for the sake of this. Okay, yeah. So I get what you're saying. So you're what you are kind of um, trying to explain to me right now is that you felt like there was a lot of authenticity with AMP and keeping keeping up the artistry and also not watering down your faith as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also like literally um, for those who are saturated with like Christian music and they're familiar with it, there just is a certain type of Syntheticness mm-hmm. to the music, there isn't enough organic elements. Oh, um, James. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know that's, what I'm saying? That's it's the difference between right going yeah. to yeah. like IKEA to get your furniture. Okay. Yeah. Compared to going like, I don't know, a thrift store. Yeah. No, I hear you. I yeah. hear you. And I, you know, I again, I'm not very like music savvy or in that world, but mm. I'm even as a consumer. I know that. To I mean, be you true. feel it. I, yeah. I don't think you're uh, excluded from that. I, I think actually the person who doesn't claim to be an expert is the perfect person to judge it. Yeah. Either you feel it or you don't. You yeah. you know if something is authentic, organic or not. It's just, it's there's something about it. Absolutely. So even, okay, so I'm curious now, even when you're doing AMP with Sam and CL, you said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he, they, like, and you were talking about how you had this, you found your identity in what you were doing during mm-hmm. that time. Yeah. Um, I mean, to what extent, yeah, like how did that affect you? And at what point were you like, you know what, this is not okay? Yeah. Well, I think, so AMP, we had to stop basically around 2016, 2017. Okay. Just because our, well, it was, our schedules were not matching up to be able to do the tours do the shows and the bookings that we've been getting requested to do. Um, so that was kind of like a, you know, and I, I think from like around the time of AMP ending to about even like two years ago for me, I felt very down, mm. borderline depressed, you know, depressed at times, but not depressed clinically. Um, and that, my reaction to that made me realize like, oh, this was... I mean, I loved it so much, but this started to become my everything, you know, and Mm. the reality is 
God's work is still going to be done, whether I do it as a musician or not. Mm. Um, and that's a reality I had to kind of face and wrestle through and own up to and admit. Um, and it's not like I feel like God was asking me to give up doing music and express myself in that way. But there was something I held so dear. And, you know, like it just some for some reason didn't work out. We didn't get the kind of support, kind of patronage that we had hoped over the years and you know it just made me super disappointed and yeah. I don't know I think that there was no like moral failing on our parts during our run you know I think I, I it's amp is really special to to me and Sam and to CL because it was like a brotherhood literally like we were available for each other mm-hmm. we chose to be available and I mean, we literally, I mean, we did like Bible studies every week. We were intense, you know, yeah. sometimes we would do like, we would like evangelize to people on the streets on my campus at University of Maryland. Like we were just, you know, brothers, brothers in Christ, you That's know? amazing. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like it's, you can't avoid the fact that it was God that brought you guys together because yeah. that kind of chemistry too you can't really find in a lot of places. So, um, I mean, I'm sad too, to hear that it ended, but, um, I, I know that was God as well, you know, but it seems as though as you're talking, like, I mean, would you go as far as to say that at some points you just kind of lost yourself and maybe even idolized the group and like the, the music that you guys were doing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was there was a totally righteous cause behind it. Um, absolutely, yeah. And it's I think idolatry probably is more subtle in that way, especially for someone who's doing God's work. You know, it's like it's almost like um I mean, you see so many Christian leaders over the past year who have just like had really, you know, sad stories mm-hmm. where people would brush over their moral failings and lack of integrity because they're doing God's work you know I don't think our we were that extreme but there's definitely remnants of that kind of idea it's like well you know like what we're doing is important therefore we don't have to consider other people's opinions you know like for me music I know got to a point where it was idolatrous to like even for me and like my marriage you know like Mm. I were to there would be times like years a few years ago when I was like I have to do music this is what God wants me to do you know and my wife and other people are like well I agree that you have a gift but you know do you really feel like God's asking you to do it like you're getting no opportunities right now things are starting to dry up you know you have to honestly look at it and I'm like no I'm I'm meant to do this you know and Mm -hmm. I felt like it's something I couldn't fathom giving up or having a reduced version of Mm. and I feel like that was a form of idolatry, not being, refusing to see it from another perspective, you know? Um, Yeah. I mean, I just, James, I feel like for you to even say that, man, um, is a really like, like humble place to be because, you know, from the outside, what you just said, honestly, to someone that isn't a believer and doesn't follow Jesus, it just sounds Mm -hmm. like you, yeah, you're just truly passionate about what you do, Mm -hmm. you know, but to have to surrender even your music, your passions Mm -hmm. and understand that it's not about the music. 
it's about the reason you're doing the music. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's really amazing. I'm so like blown away right now. Yeah, but- it was hard. <laughs> I can say it with a smile now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure I, during I feel that, that way, time, it was like, like ever. <laughs> all right, all right, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad. Well, take us back um, to your story of after you guys disbanded AMP, mm-hmm. um, and you said you went through this lull, right? Like yes. of just kind of what now? Mm-hmm. Um, how? I mean, can you take us through those couple years and how yeah. you rebranded yourself mm-hmm. as a musician? Absolutely, yeah. So one of the reasons why I rebranded um, to Uzuhan was because before it was Jay Han. Okay. Yeah, short okay. for James Han. Very original. I love it. Um, I love it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of times when I did solo shows, I didn't get them very often. But when I did, sometimes like these places would just call me Amp because the brand Amp was so strong, and I understand. But the reality is, I'm it's amp with three people, you know, you can't, I don't know. Do you know Wu-Tang Clan? You can't. Of course, yes. Yeah. So like, you can't just say red man is Wu-Tang. I mean, he is <laughs> yeah. Wu-Tang in one sense, but you can't say like introducing Wu-Tang Clan. You can't say that. Yeah. You yeah. have to say red man. He is the individual. Yeah. So I just noticed that a lot of times people just call me amp, you know, oh, and interesting. I'm like, okay. yeah. And I'm just like, uh, that's weird. <laughs> happened more than once okay so there was such a strong association with me and amp i just wanted um a, a differentiation because i felt like there was music within me that i needed to express that was actually different than amp different in the in the way um in my approach mm. uh, amp made music really specifically and explicitly to encourage and uplift the church for Uzuhan, I felt a big, big burden to make music for the world, but also for people um, who are uh, de-churched, mm. um, specifically people who would consider themselves to be spiritual or maybe even Christ followers, but hate the institution of church, hate, hate the huge organization of what church is. Um, and because that's who my friends were, um, those, my a lot of my friends are de-churched. People I care about are de-churched. Um, having traveled so much and seen kind of the craziness of like large organizations, you know, Christian organizations and whatnot, acting all crazy, I can understand why someone would go there. I feel like it's literally the grace of God. And I think because of what happened with AMP that I am not de-churched either. It'd be so easy for me to be like, yeah, Jesus, I love you. You're dope. But church, yeah not for me. Um, so like, I think, yeah, where was I going with that? Mm, yeah, I that was you, I asked you what your name, well, how you came up with, how you rebranded and stuff. Ah, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I thought Jehan was a cool name and I was scared of changing it. Cause I had a decent following in Korea and Japan under that name. Oh. Okay. So I didn't want to give that up because it's easier to do a name change in America than overseas in the overseas to understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or so I thought. So um I thought if I'm gonna change my name, it has to be better than what I have. So here I am, you know, looking at all the different artists in this world and thinking, man, all the cool names are taken. This is unfair. (laughs) 
so I I just try to think of like different thing, you know, variations of James and Han, and it sucks. I have terrible ideas. So I go to Google Translate, and I'm like, all right, maybe I'll find a cool Korean word I've never thought of. So okay, I'm typing in really vain words like you know, handsome and like wonderful, you know, the best, <laughs> and then I type in excellence, and then out pop the word usuhan. Oh, Are you familiar with that word? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can get the Uzuzhang, the Uzu award at like your Hangarakyo and stuff like that. So I remember hearing about that word from time to time and I was like, all right, USU, Usuhan. It has my last name. I already kind of like it. And then I was just like, let me switch that S to a Z. And then I, was, I thought, oh, I could totally see Uzuhan featuring Kanye West or Uzuhan <laughs> featuring Drake. Like I could actually see it. You know? I can too right now in life. Yeah, I really can see that. So I, I thought that's kind of cool. I really like it. It sounds like Asian, kind of even Japanese, it just, but it sounds Asian. I love it. I love it. So that's I just incredible. It. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I love the story of how you came up with it because it took some work and it didn't just like pop out of nowhere. And yeah, it I took mean, a lot of work. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I personally think it sticks. So it's it's a great name. Okay, but you rebranded. What mm-hmm. are some next steps for you then? Uh, I mean, it just required me to make some music videos and make some songs. I was initially afraid that people would think I'm not Christian or anything anymore because I didn't mention the word Jesus. But oh, I knew interesting. I knew the mission that I had in my heart and the mm. people that I wanted to resonate with. So I mean, I and I also realized what kind of music do I as because I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower. What kind of music do I like listening to? And I realized it's not always the the music that explicitly talks about Jesus because yeah. there's so there's breadth to who um, Jesus is and how, especially you know when I read about his life, there are aspects about his life that can be touched upon and talked about in different ways. It doesn't have to be in the method that we know it to be. Right. Right. So yeah, I just made a bunch of videos. I make my own music videos, produce them, direct them, edit. Um, So like that, that took, it took a lot of energy, but I think I was able to like produce a lot of stuff to let people know I am my own individual. I don't know. Thing. Person. (laughs) Person. Yeah. Cause that was a hard thing for me. Yeah, I, I realize I be I've 2020 is a good year, especially after turning 30. Like it's a good year because I feel like I've, I'm starting to really come into my own mm. being, you know, like when I when you're in a group of three and I was the younger one, Sam is the same age, but I'm like a month younger. So we did the Korean thing. Yes. You know, I was the <laughs> Arbitrary. But, um, you know, because of that and they're also very well spoken, you know, like Sam and CL, like they're very good teachers, very well articulated, you know, and I was, I didn't grow up at church. So for me, like talking intellectually about faith was still a very new thing for me. I loved it, but I wasn't very well versed. You know, I was more into the, I guess, being Jesus in the flesh and wanting to work on the fruit of the spirit. That was kind of like my big emphasis, especially when I was in college and still is to this day. Um, But yeah, like, developing and developing my own voice um, own opinions was something I realized I was never taught to do by my parents mm-hmm. I had to really learn it in my 20s to like learn what it means to um, interpret things with um, 
the perspective of heaven and the perspective of Jesus, um, you know, like, and, uh, I don't know, there was so much that I realized I didn't, I felt like limited because I didn't really get to practice much of it when I was younger, because mm. all I was taught was chase security and your life will be set. That's all you got to think about. Do okay, so secure. like, I want to interrupt you real quick all right, go for on it. that topic in itself, you know, I mean, it. I'm Korean American, and mm. I know a lot of Asian American people and Asian American families. Typically, mm. right, typically a lot of us were raised um, to what you just said, strive mm-hmm. for a life of stability. And yeah. stability looks like, you know, being financially, like, stable and successful in that way mm-hmm. and um being able to support a family, all those things, right? So, you know, we get the typical be a lawyer, doctor, whatever, whatever, mm, you know, right? something like that. I am curious, like, what do your parents um, feel about your music career? Like, initially, what was your experience in that? Uh, I don't know if they define it as career. Okay. Uh, so that <laughs> might tell you a bunch of things. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you know, my parents like any other Korean immigrant parents or immigrant parents, they love me and they, in actuality, do trust my decisions and my judgment um, more often than they may express. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's something I realized halfway in, (laughs) you know, because I was like always doing stuff to win their approval. But then at some point I realized... I'm, I'm a, can I say, well, I don't know who's listening. I was going to say, I was going to say I'm a grown man, but yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. (laughs) Thanks for censoring yourself. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was just like, that's, that's, you know, I say I'm 30 now. I don't know. I'm not so. No, yeah. (laughs) But like, seriously. I will say to resonate at 32, I still like worry about what my mom thinks about the clothes I buy. So I get it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I think they, what I also realized about my parents is they, they don't know how to communicate to me. They don't know how to dream. Mm. They don't know how to thrive. Mm. You know, maybe if they stayed in Korea, they might have learned that. But coming to America, what they knew of Korea, they literally have a uh, time capsule of what they knew. Mm. You know, if they were to meet their peers, their peers are probably even more progressive than they are because mm-hmm. you know i mean you can i'm sure you talk about it on your podcast all the time um like they they just never grew up knew knowing how to live the kind of life they want to envision they just have this idea of it and then they assume that it's going to go that way i get it their perspective is different and limited to a certain degree sure um but yeah over the years my i think it was after i got married when my person my my parents saw me as like a full adult, yeah. full person. <laughs> yeah. and that's flawed. That is yeah. a big issue in the church. And mm-hmm. I'll just speak on the church. The church sees married people as the most responsible, the apex of the human existence, the thing that you must get when Jesus and knowing Jesus is the most fulfilling thing you can have. There's no nothing on top of that. So no need to shape an entire church program around marriage because it leaves no room (laughs) if you do that you leave no room for someone who's different no room 
especially if you're if you're same sex attracted but want to follow Jesus, there's no room for you ever if you base your entire program on married things. Interesting. We don't have to get into that. Just my thought. Yeah, I um that's for another another podcast. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Part two. Absolutely. But um but yeah, okay. Continue if you don't mind about kind of what you were saying uh about your experience with your parents, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. I because I guess I guess the reason I'm kind of like digging deep is because Mm -hmm. I think you know, it is what you just said. It's not uncommon, I think, for a lot of Asian Americans, um, young people to seek the approval of of their parents. I mean, it's yeah. not just Asian Americans, but I think it is deeply ingrained in us for some reason mm-hmm. to to, yeah, like just whatever our parents want, we want to achieve that for them. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I guess what I you and you mentioned that they they don't call it your career but yeah they but i i like surely they can see that you love something yes yes they do and yeah. so do they in what ways do they show you support or do they at all uh oh <laughs> hmm. oh i sorry i, think I didn't mean they to put play you on my the youtube spot. videos it's okay no 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 <laughs> i think they play my youtube videos and sometimes play my music when they can so do they what do they say anything are they like oh no no never never (laughs) words no (laughs) um i think it's just i think maybe like if i did like a cool concert in korea i'll be like hey i met yundo hyun yeah oh i i like his music and that's about it you know it's like all right cool like i two things that come to mind when it comes to my parents i think um uh one, I've found myself, and it's not, I'm not blaming my parents, because this is just kind of how things were. But I still to this day, I'm very unsure and unconfident of myself at times. Mm. Like, um, because I didn't get the kind of affection and affirmation that would have been helpful for a uh, for parents to give to their son in mm. regards to doing anything I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like if I were, if I, when I was younger and I mentioned I wanted to do music, it wasn't like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's like do all these things. It was more like the the piano was because it's good for, you know, my brain stimulation and academics. And it's just good to become a person who plays piano as a, you know, as a human being. It wasn't like, oh, I want you to like be the best at this. You know, it, there wasn't a lot of that. So, you know, I feel very handicapped sometimes mm-hmm. because I know so many of my peers who are just like, yeah, I'm just going to do this thing. And I'm like, boy, you ain't even good enough. you know. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not even saying that to themselves. They're just like, I believe I can do it. Yeah. And yeah. that kind of fervor, I get envious of sometimes, you know, because I don't have that internally. I have to like pep talk myself all the time. You know, like I, I'm just like, oh, I'm not good enough. Like why in the world would these people want to work with me? You know, even even me and I have like a decent track record still have a hard time believing that I have value. Wow. And that's that's really sad if I think about it. Wow. You know? But that's just the honest truth. Yeah. Um, another thing was, you know, when I was doing music stuff, to this day, not as much anymore because I'm starting to make more money in general because of my day job. Um, they always were like, hey, I know you're doing all this time, spending all this time doing music, but 
I hear it pays to be a, you know, real estate agent. Um, <laughs> they would always suggest every time I see them, they would always suggest something. They're like, you have a great voice. You should be a news anchor. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't want to do that. I have a yeah. nice voice. Yeah. Good. For- yeah. Okay, great. But no. So that was always kind of like, I, I appreciated that they were trying to get me to have a stable financial situation. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, it would have been helpful, but it's not, I, I don't regret not doing that early on. I needed to like hustle and struggle a little bit to realize, you know, being an entrepreneur is pretty cool. You know, having a day job to fund your dream job is like pretty rad. Yeah. Okay. So, um, or- Real quick, are you a only child? No, no, I have a younger sister. Oh, okay. okay. I'm the oldest. You're the oldest, so there's mm-hmm. that extra burden. <laughs> oh yeah, I you know I forget about that. I do have a a lot of burdens. Yes. Yeah, it sounds you, like it. Are you? Oldest? I'm the only child. Okay, so okay. It kind it's of a lot of burden. Well, uh, no. So my parents are 1.5. So they immigrated here when they were 10 and 11, like in middle school. So I okay. grew up pretty American, um, okay. and, but and we we uh, spoke English like growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bit different, but they're still like, you know, mm-hmm. you can't take the Korean out of them. So there's still uh. this cult- there is cultural barriers in some aspects. Um, mm-hmm. The only difference is I'm able to communicate it a lot better because uh, with between my parents and I, because you know we speak the same language fluently. Mm, that's um, so dope. Yeah. So I mean, of course, we we have our own issues, but <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, it's a little bit different. So the burden is there, but it's a different kind of burden. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was the I was supposed to be the retirement plan. Sure. My parents ain't got no retirement. They banked it on me bad investment no 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 not at all hey barely any return on this not even it's not even close to being over for you yeah well okay fair enough you're right um but um i mean i kind of asked for people's advice at the end but since we're talking about it Mm -hmm. you know i'm sure there are people listening that maybe have the same aspiration as you and have a desire to pursue music and maybe they're mm-hmm. telling themselves the same thing that you're telling you tend to tell yourself sometimes not mm-hmm. good enough but i love yeah. what i do and on top of that their parents are unsupportive mm-hmm. right <laughs> okay and and again going back to we just really want to you know make our parents proud right mm-hmm. it's just kind of in us yeah. um what would you say to this person like how would you encourage them are they living in their parents' house or to anybody generally? Because I think I would speak differently to someone who still lives with their parents. Okay, let's do both. Okay. Um, I think ultimately um, when it comes to a passion of yours, uh, whether your parents say yes or no, you're still going to do it. If it's truly a passion, like you're going to find time to do it get it done, express yourself. So if someone's, you know, what someone has to say about your passion, if, if it's, it deters you so much, I mean, I, I would wonder if it's even a passion in the first place, mm. you know, it means it's, there's some other motivation there. You might want some clout. You want some, I don't know what you want, but yeah. it's, you know, like, I, I don't think anyone's 
what anyone has to say should deter you from your passion, from expressing, whether you make money from it or not, it, you do it for the love of that thing. That's what I did for music. Mm-hmm. I imagine for anybody who has another passion project, if they love it. They're just going to do it because they love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for someone who lives at home, like I understand why it's hard, you know, because at some, your time is in your own. I can understand that. But same principle applies. Like I know so many of my friends who used to live with their parents. They probably didn't like them making music, but they still made music. Yeah. <laughs> They're not disobeying their parents. They're still doing their like um, uh, duties as a child, but they just love it. And what loving parent would stop their kid from doing something they love? Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty simple principle in my opinion. No, I love it. I love what you said about if it, <laughs> if you aren't if you aren't making the time to do it, then are you really passionate about it? And I like how you said that, you know, then you maybe need to reevaluate if you're so concerned about what other people are saying or thinking about something you quote unquote love or passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um uh, sorry, I keep like kind of jumping around in our conversation. No, no, it's all good. This is I actually just, well, it's it's not as crazy as you think okay because like i just i just um am so curious about so many things that you're saying right now mm-hmm. <laughs> but um well let's jump back to what you're saying about being an intrapreneur is what you mm-hmm. called it yeah um okay so i mean this goes back to kind of the money thing too right like yeah. living and you have a family you have a wife mm-hmm. and um yeah like how does that work right now you said that a lot of your day job is supporting and funding your, your passion and love for music and your music mm-hmm. career. Um, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, I, I think turning 30 actually really helped me to like unlock that. Isn't 30 great? I love 30. Yo, it's a dope decade. I feel like I'm still youthful. People think I'm 20, but yeah. <laughs> I got the wisdom of a 30 year old. You there know? you go. Like, I can outsmart you. You think you're clever, but you're really not. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I like, I think when I turned 30, I realized, oh, I could still make music. Like nobody questions how old Kanye is, but he's still fresh. Mm. that boy i think he's like in his 40s you know and he's he's not trying to make music like he's 20 he just makes whatever inspires him so that's kind of what drives me as you know the day kanye you know is perceived as like uh has been or you know whatever that's probably when i can see my cap you know maybe 50 is <laughs> my cap i don't know but before i thought my window to be an artist was from my old my 20s honestly. oh interesting why because rap is a young man's game. If you see the people who I pop guess. off in rap, it's usually young folks. Okay. And that's okay because it's a movement of the youth and my youth is slowly fading away. No. But yeah, yeah. It's okay. I exercise. So my youth is still there, I suppose. I say but no because I'm like, that's not true about myself either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I think actually, like, I think youthfulness is, um, it truly is like a mentality. The, the, the moment you get old is when you start thinking youth culture and people who are young are stupid and have no value to offer. Mm. If you start thinking that, you are old. You officially have become old. <laughs> it's actually as simple as that. Like if you, if you think though, if you believe, truly believe that the, the 13-year-old, that 18-year-old has something valuable, something like grace-filled in their life to offer, even though they might be 
stupid. Mm. That's, you know, like, that's how you stay young. That's, I, I just, I hope I'm right over the years. <laughs> I mean, I think what I love about this conversation right now and what you're saying is, man, James, I feel like you really champion young people. And I just feel like that's so important. I mean, literally, what what's the point, you know, if we're not championing young people and yeah. believing in believing in what's next for them? And mm-hmm. I mean, quote unquote, keeping up with the times, you know, like I think yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, it's important for people that like me, people like me that work in the church, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is awesome. Anyways. Oh, entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Being an entrepreneur. So like, oh, this ties into what I'm saying, because I thought my window was closing. But after I turned 30, and after just kind of taking a step back from being a musician first, Mm -hmm. because I got these day jobs, Mm -hmm. I realized it doesn't really matter what your age is, as long as the idea you have is fresh. You know, you have songwriters in their 40s, 30s, 50s, writing pop song hits, you know, they may not be the artist, but their ideas are still fresh. How can mm-hmm. they keep going, you know, after all these years? So it just kind of made me think, okay, like, I don't have to worry about the age thing as much, you know, I don't have to, you know, being a musician is not about doing all the fan, you know, all the new dance trends. Um, I can dance a little bit, but you know, I just can't do the same movements no more. Like, it just doesn't work. Um <laughs> And so because of that, I thought, okay, well, if I, if I didn't say on this podcast that I was working day jobs, people, music, it's, and again, being a creator, there's like perception. It's like a game of perception. Mm-hmm. If I didn't tell you this, you probably would have thought I just do music. That's it. You know, cause my output seems pretty consistent. So when I realized that I was like, oh, I could still literally keep this perception up and and still fund you know my life and my my dreams um because i know even like the music video thing like for 2021 i don't really plan on doing any music videos because i know so many artists who don't have music videos and they still have careers you know they and i i kind of have like an older person in the music industry mentality where i just thought everything has to have this you know like expensive visual Mm. and that's just not the case anymore and i kind of love it it's if you have a dope idea you could shoot it on your phone Mm -hmm. um and cool i'm still not gonna do a video because it takes up so much of my time i just want to put more music out but um with the entrepreneur thing i i thought like i think it's a great way to like grow organically and not be so broke (laughs) Mm -hmm. i've been broke for too long you know like i'm I'm trying to buy a new car i'm trying to buy a house you know like i want to buy land um so that i can eventually have like a studio space where i can like offer it to creatives you know be a place where i could uh, offer things to people by a discounted rate and not have to worry about eating because i can eat on my own without this so that's kind of like that's the big thing that you have to know about me like the main reason why I wanted to blow up as an artist is because of the doors it opens. The doors get doors get opened real quick. Um, for example, like I want to be the kind of person that if they see 
if I see someone really talented but needs a chance, I want to be able to like give that opportunity to them. Like I want to be the guy who knows people at Billboard, Excel Magazine, you know, Rolling Stones. I want to be the guy who knows people at Spotify and Apple Music, you know, and there are several routes to get there. You can go in as a music business person or you can go as an artist, you know, and you build your leverage that way. That's how I've been able to do it thus far in a smaller capacity. But that's kind of a big reason why I wanted to blow up because I wanted people I helped to be like, oh, he's actually done it. Like he actually knows what he's talking about. He's not just some random YouTuber who's I giving a tutorial along the way, which is cool too. I respect that. But you know, like I I just want to help people and get and people like me and others get to the next level is what I really care for. Yeah, um, I'm a little bit speechless because I just feel like my heart is very similar to yours. Um, not in the fact that mm. I want to like um, blow up in the way that you want to. I think mm. just giving people opportunities yeah. that maybe don't have the same opportunities, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, we truly, I feel like truly our hearts are very similar just kind of mm. different vehicles almost yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so i I'm, I'm like really excited for you, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I probably sound so silly but <laughs> but um no, not at all. that's that's really amazing so like in this pursuit right mm-hmm. of the bigger picture right how are how are things going like um like full transparency you know you said you're working a day job mm-hmm. and so what does a typical day for uzuhan look like then well, so let's see. I have been like working out every Tuesday and Thursday, like 6 a.m. Okay. So that's that's been really good to like get some sort of routine going with mm-hmm. the pandemic going on. So lately it's been like Tuesday, Thursdays, I have that early morning workout before nine. That's my time to like, if I'm successful, to read and meditate and pray. If I'm successful, I'm like 50%. I'm like getting there. <laughs> Thank you for your transparency. You didn't have to be that honest. But. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's all I know. Uh, but yeah, like that's that's kind of I've sectioned off my time mm. to it just helps me focus. Sure. Some yeah. people may not need that, but I need to know from, you know, eight to nine is the time when you do this. So once nine hits, I'll do my emails. I'm trying to do emails twice, like once at nine or something. And then once at like 2 p.m. or something same thing i'm not very successful at at times but that's my aim mm-hmm. and then basically throughout the day like um lately i've been like um uh either like taking meetings i hope like my boss nobody from my work's gonna listen to this probably hopefully mm-hmm. not but you know like i'll either do some work things uh-huh. or if not i'll like do emails or plan for like my music stuff okay. basically through the nine to five if i'm not doing it for my day job like yeah which my current day job is very flexible. So lately, That's great. yeah, lately, a lot of the hours are just me like planning um, releases, um, holding like phone calls or like FaceTime meetings um, with like random creatives that I need to, you know, we need to make stuff mm-hmm. for or like merchandise. I design my own merch, like just I'm preparing. I'm doing a lot of preparing and then execution will happen I mean, sometimes if it's like a super slow day at work, I'll just take off and then just like shoot something or, you know, I I literally just take advantage of um, my day job 
Uh, I don't know if that's being a true entrepreneur, to be honest. <laughs> no, um, but but yeah. uh, I think the fact that, you know, you don't have to work. Like, you, mm. you know what I mean? Like, you don't yeah. have to. And you're choosing to because you know that that's what needs to be done, I think. And I think that's mm-hmm. part of the grind. And um, I think before the podcast, you and I were, I kind of mentioned that I feel like people, again, you, you even said it during the podcast, like people just kind of see you and mm-hmm. see the social media and just it's like, not just you, any artist, I feel like. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. wow, like so glamorous and so... Yeah um easy and like mm-hmm. they just must really like be so i mean i wish i had that life kind of kind of feel right yeah. um i was wondering if you can kind of um demystify some of that for us mm-hmm. right now you know you said you're pretty busy and you have a set schedule you're meet, having meetings all the time mm-hmm. um yeah but like what what else like can you just demystify some of that Right. Like, is my time spent doing other things outside of music or um, demystify like the the fear of doing music stuff? I think the fear, the fear um, and also like even like music videos. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're they're fun for you, but it's also hard work. Oh yeah, it's a money pit. Like, yeah, or, yeah it, I'm saying bye to all my dollars. Like, yeah. I don't really get a return. <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah, could you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, oh, man, I think being a musician in particular, mm, uh, just track with me because I'll, okay. I'll, I have a place to take it. Yes. Like when when people see like YouTubers or people making content online and they're educating or if they you know have some value to give to their uh, to the audience a lot of times being a musician is a little different than if you're like a chef or if you're like a engineer or uh, some some sort of job where you have like a hourly wage there is like inherent value to your expertise being a musician a lot of times there there is no way to have value except maybe grammys you know um or a certain number of Spotify plays and that kind of stuff makes it hard sometimes for musicians to keep going if mm-hmm. uh, they don't have a strong sense of vision, self, you know, passion. It's mm-hmm. really, really easy to be discouraged. So mm-hmm. I am fully aware that anybody listening who, you know, maybe try to put out a song once or twice and saw like nothing happen. Mm-hmm. I understand what that feels like. Like I, to a certain degree, like I've experienced that too, you know, even though I've built this audience for 10 years, mm-hmm. that's kind of the reality. Like when it comes to doing something you love and wanting to make it a career, mm-hmm. it's, you, you can't look at the, the, the uh, rare examples that you see blowing up online. Yeah. You can't look at those examples and see that, oh, they only put out one single and they got millions of views. I'm so terrible. I'm like compared to him. I mean, in one sense, sure, you might be, but that's not the reality. The reality is like for success to happen, success that we want to see, a lot of times it's it, what's I read it online all the time. It's like um, years of preparation meets chance. Mm. That's literally when success happens. Mm-hmm. It's not you just happen to be kind of talented and then you hit a lick and boom, 
you're off to races. No way. Mm. And if that happens, you're actually very, very, if that, if you're the kind of person that um, achieves success after the first or second swing, I feel sorry for you because mm. you have no way to develop your voice. You have to do it under the, the microscope of, of criticism and societal pressure. Like, do you know the, uh, uh, what's her name? Dixie Damilla, the girl on TikTok. She's like, she's famous because she's the sister of the famous TikToker. No, Daisy Demil Demillo. I don't. Know, Look, but I'm sure kid, people listening will know. The kids, they know. Okay, they know <laughs> yeah, who I'm talking know. about. She put out a song recently. Okay, uh-huh, and uh-huh. it was, it was, it was hot garbage. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just no. I I don't really believe that. I just feel sorry for her more than anything. The song right, was because okay. it just what it blew up overnight. Is that no 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 no? It's not that she got a lot of eyeballs on it. But I feel bad for someone like her because she has so much fame so much she has millions of followers for being the sister of this famous girl okay but she's a young girl she likes she wants to dabble in music i have no problem with a young person or anybody dabbling in music but i feel bad for her because she probably after this may not want to even explore music anymore yeah i don't know because there's going to be so many people who are just going to roll their eyes and be like oh you're trash and it's like that's that sucks. You have no room to make mistakes and like experiment. So like in one sense, if you're unknown, relatively unknown, it's a good time for you to explore and and see if you do catch a wave, if you do get some notoriety from it. But ultimately, like if people who are, you know, get famous off of doing what they love, it's because they originally do it because they love it. Mm-hmm. And they would still do it even if they never got paid. Mm-hmm. So like the the big thing that's difficult for i'm sure artists coming up is they want to get paid right away you know they want to make the money get that security get the validation they've been looking for all their lives that they haven't gotten from their parents or their family and it doesn't happen because i mean like it's just a long process if Mm -hmm. you want to if you want to keep going if you want it to be a career okay if you just want to try it blow up and just disappear or if you don't want a long career do whatever you want and don't really look at it as a long-term thing just create freely and just go go your live your life yeah but if you want it to be a career mm-hmm. it's going to be it's going to take some years of struggle and i realized i may not be demystifying the no whole no no i think this is exactly what i wanted yeah you know i think um, and the example you gave was a really good one because I think people think that. I think people think that could happen to them. And, yeah. <laughs> and- this goes into so much more of like how society is built in America right now. I mean, absolutely. Yes. Because if you think, I mean, I'm going to go because I know hip hop, like the character arc. Um, I We won't go too deep into it, but no, the character in- arc. I want to hear it. That- go. Okay. So like in hip hop, <laughs> the character arc the the narrative that okay. is that is consumed is a certain type of person you know right now it's dominated by black culture mm-hmm. and i understand why but like i believe like the critical mass of or the general public's like consumption or or, or desire for what they want to see 
I don't think America is still ready for a a a um a Asian star. Maybe in athletics, it's starting to creep up. I, I you know I see some like Korean athletes, the Atlanta Falcons guy or the the guy playing soccer. You know, like you have. Um, actually, yeah. I mean, you had Jeremy Lin. Well, that's sports again. My goodness, I'm trying to think of music. Like it's in music, it's going to be even harder, in my opinion for someone to become that perennial star, even someone like Jay Park, who is, he's putting on for our culture so much, but even him, he got signed to Jay-Z's label. Mm. And I'm not saying he hasn't made a name for himself, but when I think of perennial star, like what Justin Bieber is, Kanye West is, you know, like he's just not there yet. And I'm like, my gosh, when is it going to happen for him? Someone like dumbfounded, like still to this day, Anderson Pack is basically in the stars. Anderson Pack was his drummer, his friend, mm-hmm. and he's blowing up. They have different music. I understand mm-hmm. different style. Mm-hmm. However, I think like even the way it's set up right now, it's just not set up for us to, I don't know, hit the speed boost and, you know. No, I agree. I mean, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you too. Like just even, you know, being an Asian American rapper, like how – how challenging I feel like it would be um, mm. in so many different aspects. I mean, I would, I wouldn't know. Right. But then I, I know that I haven't seen any big, you know, like you said, perennial like stars that mm-hmm. look like me. Yeah. Um, I mean, you mentioned a few names that I recognize, but even then it's like, I just recognize them if mm-hmm. I'm honest, you know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, sorry. Were you, were you going to expand more? Um, I think the thing I've realized is if people want to reach these heights mm-hmm. as a career, um, hard work is definitely that's a uh, that's a bare minimum. It, it's going to take hard work and a lot of money and a lot of God's favor. You can't control God's favor, so you know. You just work hard and make a lot of money in whatever way. But the money is hard to control sometimes if you don't have a job or if you don't. Right. That's why I encourage being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Because like it, it's so hard to do these projects without money over time. You know, like it's if you don't have anything or anyone funding it, it's so hard to get to the next level. Like, so, you know, you just spoke on the reality, right? Mm-hmm. For you yourself. Oh, yeah. A thousand percent. So, I mean, what is it like, what keeps you going? Just the passion? Oh, yes. It's, uh, it's the passion. That's amazing. I'm not making I mean, like, money. <laughs> I mean, like, like you know, I, okay, I don't know how to ask this question. Just ask it. But it's as fine. a man of faith, too, like, yeah. do you have conviction about what you're doing, too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Like, for me, um, it, it is passion. Um, but I feel like the, before I wanted to speak to the millions, but now I'm content with the hundreds, you know, or maybe thousands, I guess, in my case, I'm content speaking to these particular people Mm. and, and, um, making someone, even one person be like, Oh, you too. Or like me too. Oh yeah. I feel that way too. Like I, I'm actually okay with that because that's still a precious life. And in God's eyes, like their journey to know who God is to know who they are, that's important. And I've, I've learned to like recalibrate and center myself on that. Mm. You know, that's, that's what keeps me going. Cause they're yeah. 
I, I do still get messages from people, you know, and, and friends who tell me that the music helps them to process something or That's helps awesome. them through something or helps them transcend this situation to, you know, see God more. That is brilliant. I feel like, yeah, that, probably true because I I was telling you before I've been listening to a couple of your songs and your new album The Uncanny this year that released (laughs) Um, and yeah some of the lyrics I'm just like who thinks like this like I just because I I cannot wrap my head around like coming up with these sentences like Mm -hmm. in the way that you've crafted them Um, and I you know I'm curious like how does that even start like making a song yeah <laughs> like like an idea or just like a, a sentence or yeah yeah i mean i guess well, okay it- i will say i kind of like tried to figure out but like from mm. just listening it's like oh like it's there are a lot of songs that are maybe experience based right like mm-hmm. what you're going through personally yeah um but yeah so what, do you start with the beat or do you start with the words? Or like- yeah, uh, I guess it's pretty organic, but uh, most of the time I think it's um, if I if I work with a producer, mm-hmm. we start with an idea and we start talking about it. So like for my newest song, Don't Forget About Us, I was like, hey, producer friends from Austria. I was like, hey, I want to make a lo-fi hip hop song for like the holiday Christmas kind of thing. I want it to feel nostalgic and tender. You cool with that? And then, oh, and here's the BPM. So I like set parameters. What's the BPM? Uh, beats per minute, oh, like okay, the tempo. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I told, I tell them, I set up the parameters. And I'm like, let's create something. Um, and once they send me like a rough draft, I'll like record a whole song to it. Like I'll, I'll, I think of all the melodies, sing it, um, all the lyrics. I'll do that. And then I'll send them the acapella so that they can make tweaks. And then it kind of goes back and forth like that a lot. Of wow. Mm-hmm. That is so cool. <laughs> Wait, Thanks. why are they in Austria? Austria? Well, that's one of my one of my producers. Oh, wow. Where else do you have producers? Well, same thing with Samok. Like I, I um, will go meet up with him. And okay. I'll, and we'll just talk about something and okay. then he'll cook up something on the spot. So that's basically how it goes or the other way is i find a beat with a vibe that i am looking for mm-hmm. and then i just record over it and then send it to them so <gasps> it, it's kind of similar that is fascinating i had no idea that that yeah. happened right here this is the <laughs> mic i use i mean this is where i record everything that's really cool okay um so um the music that you released this year mm-hmm. uh particularly the album the uncanny album like mm-hmm. did you have a specific theme when you were when you're coming up with that album um i think in general i decided that i'm going to make more chill bouncy stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah i had a general idea but i um i think i had a general concept but i i allowed the process to show me reveal some more ideas along the way but yeah i had a general idea Mm. like i had the idea for the cover art and i shot it with my friend Mm -hmm. um, michael phillips and i love the idea of the idea of the uncanny is um the it was like the sigmund freud quote i read about like the uh, what uncanniness is 
I have like a, I haven't actually like practiced talking about it. So I don't even have the definition on me, but um, uncanny is this idea of like seeing something that looks familiar, but it's um, kind of like presented in a different way. So it, it, it oh, leaves you feeling discontent or feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And uncanny. That's, yeah. That's what that means. Yeah. That's yeah. what it means. Yeah. And I just felt like that's kind of, in some ways, I feel like my music and everything I do, like, has this uncanniness to it that mm-hmm. I couldn't explain for a long time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm still, like, in search of figuring out, like, what exactly, you know, makes me who I am. Um, and really? I f- That's surprising for me. Like, identifying it. I, okay. I think I ultimately know, like, what elements to brand myself as or you know what I could what kind of house I can put all my music in okay but for a longest for the longest time I didn't know like my music was all over the place I was mm-hmm. making like I made a song like Fila really like Atlanta trap type of sound I was making like all sorts of different types of hip-hop music mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think I've started to settle into more of a you know a vibe that really fits who I am you know like I'm trying to I think I really care about especially guys feeling like they have uh, someone to speak I don't know like resonate with Mm. I realize a lot of music um, I don't know I feel like there isn't that much love for guys there is because we're in a patriarchal world but like (laughs) In some ways, it feels like there's there's like lacking, lacking huh. of care for males, okay. you know, from yeah. young men. I yeah. want to be like, I want to portray tenderness in males and not feel so hyper-masculine all the time. I want to present that in my music mm. and who I am because I am like that. I'm very, yeah, I'm like six feet, you know, like I'm a larger presence. So mm. I'm not, you know, I guess that changes how people perceive me but i i am very you know like cuddly and loving (laughs) and you know affectionate you know um i guess mostly cuddly with my wife but with my friends if i see them i'll hug them like you know to a point where we're like cheek to cheek yeah i i can gather that you are very um intuitive i think and in tune with with your you're self-aware of who you are too mm, and i think yeah. that i don't want to call it sensitive it's not sensitive but it's just it's okay though you <laughs> can call me sensitive that's okay i'm learning no, to but embrace I think it that's what it is but i i um yeah i really understand what you're saying i think uh the vibe of your music is very different in that way and yeah mm-hmm. even uncanny like i think uh my husband and i were listening to something that you wrote uh couple nights ago and only you know why we were listening to it is because we have some friends in la that Mm. made a dance to it oh and the free um, song uh free i think i don't remember the song right now um but he's part of a a dance ministry and so i we were saying that yeah like your vibe is so like i want i mean i don't again i don't want to say sensitive but it, it has that feel to it that it's relatable. And mm-hmm. I feel like you translated that really well through this album. Yeah. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. 
James, you're really good. Okay, if you want, if you need me to Appreciate say it more, you just call me up anytime. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. But um, so I can I ask you about a particular song? Sure. Actually, go for it. Um, there's a song called "Another Moment," mm, yes. and at the end of it, you kind of do this, um, like a monologue. Yes, a monologue. Eulogy. To it sounds like to a friend that has passed. Yes. Um. I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit on a personal level what that song is about. Yeah. Well, so um, it was, there's two stories intertwined into that song. It's the story of one of my friend, um, my friend, Jesse, who passed away um, last year from, uh, oh my gosh, it was a lot of things, um, but it was him. It was the passing of Jesse and also um, the passing of uh, one of my close friends, friend, Kirk. Mm. Um, that passing was significant because Kirk's son, Gage, really loved my music. And, you know, when he was younger, allowed him to, I guess, just express himself in a more, I don't know, authentic way. He just liked my music. Mm. But they're close. Kirk was close with my close friend. And I've met him a couple of times. He was a great guy. And, you know, he had a fight with cancer and passed um, so last sorry. year, too. Yeah. So like, and all those stories converged at the same moment. So I was just like very overwhelmed by what it meant to Gage to lose his father, what it meant to my friend to lose one of his best friends, mm. what it meant for me to lose my friend, Jesse, you know, Jesse was significant because he, um, he was this, uh, this white dude. But when I was at a Korean church, I felt like there was more that I wanted to see in the church. And everybody was hella Korean, couldn't resonate with the things happening outside of the Korean world. And Jesse came into my life and he was someone who loved Jesus and loved engaging the world. Um, and just like really encouraged me to do music authentically, mm. be authentically myself and be yeah. unashamed of it. Cause he was like that. So wow. I take a lot of actually uh, like thinking about it now, like his, the way he lived his life, I try to do the same thing. Like mm. I try to live as authentic authentically as i can um that's that was quite that's quite a tribute it's amazing i'm sorry about your friends but yeah. um i think it's amazing mm. that you are able to honor them in this way and um speaking of yeah. authenticity what also comes to mind sorry are you good on time i feel like uh um, i'm good till 10 30 okay yeah. Okay, just a couple more minutes then. Sorry. Um, I'm really getting into this conversation is what it is. (laughs) But um, how do you, like, you know, with being authentic, certainly there is criticism. Mm -hmm. So how do you uh, deal with that? Do you care or? Uh, I see what you, I think I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I care. I'm human. And I, I thought I was a person that wanted everyone to like them. I realized I'm not like that. I want people who I love and respect to like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think if there's criticism, what would hurt me the most is if someone I love and respect gives me some harsh criticism without some like, you know, an encouragement sandwich. Yeah. But when it comes to authenticity, like if there are people who, there are people to this day who randomly messaged me and they're like, so are you still Christian? You know, because I do something that in their understanding of Christianity and being a Christ follower, I do not fit that bill. Mm -hmm. Lecrae deals with that 
on another level. It's insane. People are not humane to him. They treat him like a dog. And I, it, like, I'm so sad to see that. Um, I care what people think, but ultimately, like, I see the life of Jesus. And I see the way that he cared for the marginalized, those who are on the margins, who people wouldn't bother to stand up for, care about, gaze over to, have compassion for. And I see how he was in the trenches and, and showed them the kingdom of God with his actions. And like, I, if I'm, if what I'm doing is contrary to what I perceive Jesus to have been, then yeah, those criticisms are valid. Mm -hmm. But if it's like, people are worried about things that ultimately don't, I don't know, don't matter to the kingdom. Mm -hmm. It just seems so arbitrary, you know, like, there's so many things in the Korean church that are informed not by the Bible, but shamanism, mm -hmm. Buddhism, Confucianism, like that's something that the Korean church needs to have checked. And that is a prelude to what my future album will probably be about. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking yeah. forward to um, the coming year and hearing some of your new songs and all of that. Um, James, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, oh, as we close, um, I was wondering if you could, um, do you have any advice, you know, for somebody that maybe is mm. like, yeah, I want, I want to do this. I want to make music and I really want to have a go at it. Um, yeah. Do you have any advice for these kind of people listening? Um, I think uh, longevity is something that I would strive for. Always, always learn, always be willing to learn and progress. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's just a good practice. So when you're trying to progress and learn all the time, you are um, learning from the youth. You're learning from people before you. You're hungry for knowledge and wisdom to do things better with integrity. Mm -hmm. um, so like for anyone who's like just starting out, man, yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm not always the best at advice. What else would I say? Let me think. I would just study people who have gone before you just to see, like study the principles they've laid out. You know, like I think about the people I look up to, like career wise, you know, like I try to see what kind of practices they have. Um, and still, what kind of principles do they follow? Um, um, okay, so that's the skill part. But ultimately, I think character, um, that's what I always need to mention. Character will just help you, regardless if you still do music or not. If yes. you're a terrible person <laughs> to work with, but you're talented, mm. like, people still hate working with you. <laughs> so, like, ultimately, like, I think I should probably say, those who are Christians wanting to be artists work on being the best son and daughter you can be, or the mm -hmm. best husband you can be, the best yeah. um, friend you can be. Um, and that's a good place to start. And it'll help you, you know, I guess, create content from that place. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing is be a good steward of what you've been given, right? Like, Mm, yeah. the place that you're at and if you do that faithfully and well other things will just kind of you'll come into it I feel like yeah 
I mean, it sounds yeah. like you have. And uh, were there more? Ooh, I have another one. Oh, yes. yes. Please tell Something me. Something I've learned for myself. Uh-huh. I, I'm learning. And this is real time. I don't have it figured out, but I'm figuring what this means for me. We have to figure out what enough is because um, say you, if you don't define what enough is, like what you're content, what you're going to be content with, um, you're going to be in this constant search for more and more and it's unending. And this is, this is for, this applies if somebody, I'm probably talking to the person who might have a little bit of success, might've gotten some, uh, you know, some Spotify plays, might've gotten some views and they're like, you know, I just want to keep going. And that's cool. I applaud them. But I know a lot of people who are way more successful than me, more successful than anybody listening. And they might reach a plateau, or sorry, they might reach the heights and still feel like it's not enough. Mm. Because they never defined what enough enough would be for them. Yeah, that's something I feel like is good to um, assess. It may not be applicable to the person that's starting out. Sure. So um, for you, you said you're still working it out, but like, mm-hmm. have you defined your enough? Um. Well, I, yeah, no, not really. No. I, I think I would like the money I make from music streams to be able to um, like pay for things, okay. a lot more things. Okay. So I, sorry, I know that we're, we, I said that was ending, but yeah. <laughs> I just, one last question. Okay, go for um, it. But you're enough to say you, you wanted to be able to use the money that from music streams to just pay for your life, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, how does one make money doing what you do right now, currently? Well, if you're not doing sh- so I used to make money off of shows, Okay. music streams, and then um, actually my merch sold really well at shows usually oh, okay. like i would yes. always sell I mean, like to 10 15 yeah sure, but yeah. without the events now it's strictly music sales mm-hmm. um and features um i get paid i charge to do features now because i'm at a point what's where, a feature like if someone wants me to be on their song oh um, okay 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 mm-hmm. okay but i don't but that's even even that is like complicated for me because i just want to create right right and like help your friend out and stuff yeah 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 Yeah. and i do i mean if it's friends asking me then it's no problem Mm -hmm. so maybe that um i don't know if that's a good business model i don't claim to be the best at that (laughs) but i um i think it's yeah if i'm not like so if it's usually a time thing it's like if i don't have the time but people really are pressed to make the song then i'll be like look you got to pay me, bro. Mm. Like it just, you know, and I mean, yeah. Yeah. Or if I'm not feeling it, I'll, you know, tell them to go to my manager and he'll yeah. give my price. <laughs> that sounds really mean, oh, but it's a time thing. It's not the, I don't like that person. It's just a time thing. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and you have to live. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel you. Well, again, thank you so much, James. I really appreciate you. I appreciate the music that you produce and um, bring out to the world. I thank you. Um, you guys, if you don't know Uzuhan yet, this is the time. Just like Google him or find him on Instagram or social media right now, um, because you are really missing out. You truly are missing out on a gift 
um, to the world. I'm, and, I'm, and I don't say that lightly, I promise. <laughs> Um, but thanks again, James. I really appreciate it. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I love hearing from you. If you have any questions, um, I don't know much about music, but I could possibly maybe connect you with somebody. Is that cool, James? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm cool with that. All right. Thanks, guys. Until next time. Bye. See ya. Bye. Many times we try to give up. I know you need a move along, but please don't forget about us. Uh, might do all the things you hate. I'm probably gonna stay this way. I know you need a move along, but please don't forget about us. Uh, I know you need a move along, but please don't forget about us. I know you need a move along, but please don't forget about us.